This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Garlic Bread, Eric, and Spike. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskis, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, Cheryl, A Bad Idea, Red Dead Coquette, and Robert Hans. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome back to Inspiration Point. Uh, Welcome back, Tiana. Good to be with you. Always good to be here with you. Happy New Year, my friend. Yes, I'm uh, excited for the new year. It's a new life, new house, new classroom, new chance to start a new D&D campaign. Hey! Which might end up being fate instead. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Thinking about maybe doing something in the middle. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, a lot of new, right? I love new stuff. (laughs) There's something wonderful about taking advantage of, you know, the the, the calendar tick over to, like, reflect on things that have happened and look forward to the things that are coming. Um, I I do that on New Year's and on my birthday every year, where I just sort of take a, a retrospective look and go... Okay, where was I when all of the when this year started and where am I now? What am I happy with? What am I unhappy with? You know, stars stars and wishes. Indeed, it's always good to take a minute to reflect and to ponder and set up like what we want from it because we get so tied up into the grind. Then we, you know, I, I can speak for myself here, but you know, just say, I get tired of it, right? I get tired sure. of everything I'm doing, you know, at, at some level. And so the the question then becomes, well, do you, do you just grit and bear it? Do you quit or do you adapt, right, in some way? And so I, you know, we like to adapt because like, what's life about, right? You know, we're trying to get as much as we can out of this experience until it's all over, mm-hmm. you know? And then, if it takes a tick of a calendar to motivate, right? Sure. It's like, why not, right? Anything that motivates, take it. Is it silly? Is it kind of arbitrary? Sure. Oh, it's completely arbitrary, yeah, but that but doesn't make it any it is that doesn't make it any less real. Correct. Exactly. You know? Now, I have made my fair share of resolutions uh, that did not come true, that were not resolved, let's say. But it doesn't mean that it's a waste of time. Right. So what is your favorite New Year's resolution that you failed at? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think my favorite one was last year. Oh. Yeah, very recent. Um, I have had a lot of difficulty, like, getting into stories lately, not, I mean, obviously not D and D, Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, whatever. Those are those are for some reason easier for me to get into. But yeah. I've had trouble sitting down and watching a movie, mm-hmm. or sitting down and reading a book. Mm, yeah, me too. Actually. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know why it's so hard. Like I, I, I this cannot be the same brain that I devoured nine hundred pages in three days uh, <laughs> as a child. This cannot be the same brain anymore. Yeah. Um, but so my New Year's resolution last year was that every week I would read a book and sit down and watch a movie. Okay. And I mean, I can, especially with like smaller books, I can read them in like one sitting fairly easily. Um, I think I made it about halfway through the year. And then like I just started dropping off partially because I was working more, which is a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. And partially because like I was just having trouble ticking into things, I guess. Hmm. Um, One of the ones that I did read while I had COVID in July was The Blood Trials. Highly recommend. Very good. It's it's the Hunger Games where uh, race and and feminine identity intersect with this society is really messed up. Mm -hmm. And I really loved it. It kind of is is the scary murder Barbie that we all wanted. (laughs) Although, of course, this is coming from me. So. Uh. (laughs) 
Taser in particular. Um, no, absolutely. And uh, I have not sat down and read a book that wasn't like a D&D manual. Sure. You know, in like a long, long time. Yeah. But I, th- but I think but I think it was my favorite that I failed because I did read more books over the year. I read about 20 books over the course of the year, and I've gotten a whole bunch more. Like, one of my favorite books that I read last year was Legends and Lattes, which I absolutely loved. It's a lit RPG. A half-orc is retiring, and she goes and uh, sets up a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It's very cute. It's very compelling. It's very queer. So, of course, I love it. Oh, um, there you go. There it is. Here we go. <laughs> There's now a communal copy of Legends and Lattes that's yeah. being passed around my friend group. It had me at coffee, right? I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, this 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 cool half-orc warrior is uh, retiring, and she's like, I'm going to bring this invention. It's called coffee. <laughs> and I, I encountered it in this other place, and I'm going to bring it to this place, and I'm going to set up a coffee house. I imagine the best coffee in Faroon would be in Chult. It right? seems like that would be the place for it, right? Right, yeah. That's got to have the most, like, volcanic ash and most volcanic soil, therefore the most fertile, therefore the most delicious. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's got to be, like, the Columbia of um, oh yeah <laughs> of the Forgotten Realms. If it's good enough for a T-Rex, it's good enough for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that there's some variant of like the the the, the pooped out coffee. Yeah, that's the, some sort uh, of delicacy and chult. Yeah, it's like a hundred dollars a cup or something like that. I forget, oh yeah, I forget what it is. Something like that. But yeah, I've heard of that too, and I was like, okay, I don't I don't want them to tell me about that. Uh, but, but I do kind of want to try it. But I do kind of want to try it because if it's that good, you know. I mean, I will say I have had a hundred dollar ba- bottle of champagne before. It's not that much better than you know a fifteen dollar bottle of champagne. Right. Well, and champagne's a little bit on the sweeter side, right? And so yeah, you know there there is that. I've had some. I haven't had crazy expensive whiskey, but I will say. There is a noticeable difference between, like, age and taste, right? Like, sure. the older it is, the better it is. Um, I was at this, like, Irish-themed pub in Las Vegas, and they were selling, like, $1,000 shots of whiskey. Um, I did not partake, obviously. Well, no. But, like, if you have a 100-year bottle of whiskey on your shelf, you know— or something. I guess I get it, right? You know? Like, yeah. Uh, I pulled a 12-year Irish whiskey off my shelf the other day. And, you know, 12 years is not that much. But... Um, it's the age of, of one of your children are pretty right, close to. Right, yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> and I've... Um, but it's been there for like a couple of years. So it's like getting a little better, a little better, a little better. If you can wait or forget about it like I do, right? Like I just don't remember it's there. That's the real trick is is forgetting about it. Correct. You know, because I only like really break it out during like a holiday or something, you know, where it's and then I drink like maybe two, you know, short glasses. That might be it. Yeah. No, I get that. I am looking over at a bag of wine that I'm taking with me to a holiday party uh, this afternoon. Mm. If we're having a hobbit party. <laughs> delightful. I'm very excited. That sounds delicious. It really, it really is great. But I'm taking some of the European wine that I brought back and my sister brought back for me mm. um, to to share because everyone's like, why, why do you keep breaking into your wine cellar with? Because I like sharing it. I don't like drinking it by myself. I want to no. share it with people. It makes it more fun. Yeah, you drink by yourself when you're sad, right? Yeah. Not when like things are going well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, man. But coffee is definitely much more my jam these days, where, like, if I want to chill with a friend, I'll, I'll ask him to go to coffee with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's how we met in person, was you and yeah. I uh, met and went to coffee. <laughs> we went to coffee, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I passed by uh, by you first, because I didn't know who you were. And I, I, I watched you walk past, and I was like, is that? Is that the guy? Yeah, it was kind of funny, because, yeah. Because we, we had been playing D&D together for over a year at that point, but we hadn't ever seen each other's ne- faces. Never seen each other before. <laughs> I, w- I was like, is that buff 
uh, is that buff girl Ren? You know. <laughs> and then when we shook hands, I was like, "Okay, yeah, we're strong. Yeah, oh boy." <laughs> I I made a point very early in in my in my life of developing a strong handshake because I kept hearing people be like, you know. You can tell the character of a person by their handshake and also yeah. like if there's I, I I it really should have been a warning sign a warning sign of of first alert early on that I didn't want to be seen as girly. So right. I wanted to have a really like strong handshake when I met people. Uh, I also trained myself not to scream when I'm startled. I do a very sharp gasp, but I almost never scream. Oh, good for you. <laughs> you, you about lifted me off the ground with that handshake. You know, I was I was definitely impressed. I was like, all right, all right. <laughs> Roland chose well. <laughs> I mean, we have talked about the fact that I basically play my own power fantasies. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and, uh, and I mean, Hakoya's is the other side of that, where they're basically Carlac. Right, yeah, I Except know. less uh, jovial. How many Carlac clones do you think are out there right now? Oh, so many. Carlac is such a good character. Oh, she is like the perfect character marketed to this demographic of like, you know, the the 2020s D&D player, right? Like that that's who it's for. You know, you know, queer strong mommy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Super here for it. Who's also like just super (laughs) enthusiastic about everything. And so kind and just genuinely sweet. She is really great. Um, and then it doesn't hurt that Larian made barbarians like better than normal. Um, I, I always felt like they needed some love. It's like it seems like they have a lot of power up front, but they really taper off. And uh, but man, the, the BG3 barbarian, not bad, not bad at all. And it's just little adjustments, but it, it makes a difference. I mean that's really all that it takes when I mean, when you have a when you have a good skeleton and then you just like tweak some of the the extra bits on it. Yeah. Like Barbarian had a good has a good start to it. Um it just needed some love. You know, speaking of which, I've I've been not looking at the 1D&D stuff. Like I hmm. see every now and then something pop up from like Trant Monk's Temple or whatever. You know, where he likes to really get into the nitty gritty of all the numbers and and then he makes like a clickbaity title, right? Where it's like Warlocks yeah. are trash now, you know, or whatever. Yeah, good old YouTube clickbait. <laughs> we uh we love to see it. We do. Um well we, we do love to click on it, apparently, which is why it exists. I mean rage clicking is a thing. Rage clicking, that's right. I think it's the entire reason why Ben Shapiro has a career. It's like Ben Shapiro destroys, you know. There are there are two kinds of people who who watch Ben <laughs> Shapiro videos. People who are uh, smarter than him and actually like debunk the stuff that he does, which is how I watch all of my Ben Shapiro well, stuff. Of, is of course through yeah. the lens of other people, where it's like, if you have to explain why it's really really dumb to say, well, if the water level rises, people will just sell their houses and go elsewhere. A thing uh-huh. he actually said uh-huh. out loud with his mouth. Uh, that I'm not sure there's any help for you or people who are taken in by the fact that he uses big words and talks fast. Right. Yeah, he does. He is fun to listen to in that way. But um, it's an assault of just like these words. I mean, and maybe it's because I'm sound sensitive, but like his constant um, staccato way of talking is yeah. just like a, a jackhammer to my ears. There's a there's a political satire cartoon YouTube uh series called freedom tunes and they like to make fun of themselves a lot because they are like more conservative but it's a, a lot of self-parody okay and, that's and fair. so they made one episode that was ben shapiro's family at thanksgiving and <laughs> it's all just like ben shapiro but in different outfits and they're all like talking the same way debating about like stuffing and turkey and gravy and stuff and uh it wasn't bad wasn't bad i mean in fairness uh, his sister also has a YouTube channel, Classically Abby, and she does talk a lot like him, just a little bit more mellow. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, some of those videos would also be like, yeah, it's a debate. But a lot of them were like, he would be like slightly disagreeing with somebody and they're both like chill. But the clickbait would still be like, 
you know, giant red impact font text. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, it would be pretty insane. But which, uh, which honestly, I think is kind of lazy. Like I, oh, I I'm I'm the yeah. kind of person who's like, you know, make a good title because you want your title to be eye catching. Make course, a good thumbnail, yeah. but you should have the title and the content match each other. Like if you're gonna Correct, have the yeah. rage headline, you shouldn't lie. <laughs> yeah, if if you have <laughs> you the rage lie. headline, yeah. you should have also the rage uh, video. These two should go together. If you give your 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 uh, main speaker eye laser graphics. Uh, I definitely expect a little vitriol, uh, to be sure. Yeah, um, but it is kind of too bad that that that's kind of what it takes nowadays, right? To to get attention, but I yeah. guess it works. And reaction content is hot, right? It's something that people really like. I have a few guys I like to watch that do reaction content, like Asmongold. You know, if I want to watch stuff about video games, that's who I mm. go to. You know, uh, I watch a lot of Philip DeFranco to get. Um, sort of current events and news and stuff. Um, and it's basically all reaction content. But to be fair, Philip DeFranco works insanely hard to produce his content. Like, Right. You know, so I got to give him some credit on that, too. Yeah, for for current event stuff, I watch uh, some more news where they just, mm-hmm. like, talk about one issue for an hour to, how long is the Jordan Peterson video? Like, three and a half hours. <laughs> And that's, it's uh, that's long, yeah. It's very long, and I've watched it through like four times. Um, but uh, for for science stuff, I've been watching Forrest Valkai, and his like he has a whole series that he calls Reacteria, where he yeah. reacts to uh, specifically bad science coming from creationists. Where uh-huh. he's like, I see where you got that. Let me educate you about how you got there and why that isn't correct. He's he's very smart, and he's very like. He he's one of those people where it's like, man, if I'd had a science teacher like this, I would be, I would be better at science because I would have paid more attention. Have, have you seen Rationality Rules? No, I'll need to look that up. That that would be my recommendation because um, very similar. Um, I definitely prefer content that's a little bit more subdued, a little bit more yeah. thoughtful and thought provoking. Let's say, uh, even if it's longer. But Honestly, anyway. especially if it's longer, I like I like having the time to really immerse in the content and not just have it be surface level rock skipping. So I will say I got really deep into that world for a long time. Like I definitely got onto the binge train of um, let's let's consume these four hour videos while I'm playing Civ or something like that, you know, uh, where I could like be playing a game and passively listening to something at the same time. One thing I will say about that is that it is not an effective way to learn anything because, like, you're playing Civ. <laughs> and that's, that's a, that, that requires some reading. Um, and I cannot read and listen at the same time. It's just, like, not possible. Yeah, I, I have to pause whatever I'm listening to if I want to actually, like, read it. Like, I, I can doom scroll through Facebook and listen to things <laughs> because I can do the, the quick, like, I can glance at a paragraph and, like, get the sense of what of what it's saying Mm-hmm. And then move on. Uh, but if I actually want to in depth on something, I have to pause and then wa- uh, listen. So before I did this show, um, I did a different show. It was a libertarian atheist podcast, right? And so it was a very, uh, very niche audience, let's say, right? It's like the two things you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion, right? Mm hmm. And uh, uh, we talked about both of them, and we took very unpopular stances with with all of them. Um, so we didn't grow an audience that was very large. And uh, yeah, so that was fun. And I burned out hard on politics um, after that. And the, so a lot of the reading that I was doing during that time was all nonfiction, right? Mm. And uh, it's easier for me to read nonfiction than fiction. Okay. So maybe this year I should read a fiction, right? Maybe that would just be good for me as like a person. Cause I mean, I know an audiobook that's hanging out waiting for, for your ear holes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. Good. You, you, you've, you've got Stormfront. Uh, you got that's that Dresden Files no, book that's uh, no. waiting for you. I know. Oh, I got to do it. I even got Krista to read it first. 
I just got got my friend uh, Deebs into it, and she's like, uh, she she hadn't because I haven't listened to the audiobook. Uh, she's like, James Marshers has so many mouth noises when he's talking as Harry, and I'm like, I'm glad I haven't listened to it in some ways. But James Marshers is such a good performer that I'm sure that it's like a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I actually want to sit down with pages and like mm. and like actually read because I've noticed that my skill to read has diminished like my ability to maintain concentration uh while looking at a page like <laughs> like i think tiktok has been especially bad for this because i'm like okay but we're subway surfers next to my page right it's like that's bad that's not the <laughs> way human brains are supposed to work yeah so, so so is that your new year's resolution this year yeah i didn't even think of that beforehand but now that we're talking I also saw one of my students uh, reading in between lessons and I looked over and they were reading uh, Homeland, the first um, Dred Storden novel. Oh. And that took me back to high school, you know, and sure. I, I was like starting to nerd out and they were like, I just barely started this. <laughs> give me time, Mr. Power. Give me like, time. Give me, give me a little space here, you know. <laughs> um. But it's, yeah. hard to, it's hard to not be enthusiastic, though, because like I, I read the first chapter of uh, the Alana books to my niece while I was up there for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And uh, it did my heart so much good just to pass on this thing that me and her mother really loved when we were young. And, you know, Felicia and I were my sister and I were complaining a little bit about the, the new covers because they just did a re-release of the covers. It's like they're different. They look very very anime in a way. Yeah. And I and, and then I was like, well, but this way, you know, her book covers won't get mixed up with yours. You will know whose is whose. True. True. But I, I try not to like overload her with my enthusiasm because she's six turning seven. Wow. So yeah, you don't want to overdo it. I was yeah. le- reading uh, my oldest daughter, uh, The Prince by Machiavelli when she was, you know, nine. This and... explains so much. <laughs> <laughs> I think she probably got about 2% of it. But on the other hand, you know, she's in a five-way tie for first place in her class. Yes. So, you know, maybe maybe it was good. I don't know. Maybe it was irrelevant. I have no idea. Um, but I, I definitely would recommend The Prince for anyone who's uh, interested in making plots for fantasy games. You know, um, I think it's very useful to create some ambitious characters. Sure. And on the uh, fiction side, I would recommend um, Terry Pratchett's book, specifically the City Watch books, because you get a good view of what Lord Vetinari is up to. You know, that might be a good way to get back in. I miss Terry Pratchett. I I love Terry Pratchett so much. Uh, And Vimes, Vimes is like... Vimes and Granny Weatherwax are the two characters that I identify with really hard. The first Terry Pratchett Discworld book I ever read was uh, Mort. Um, and that that got me in and I was like, oh, I gotta I gotta get more of that. So maybe maybe it's time. Maybe that's yeah. the direction I might go in. But you're right. I should start with Stormfront because someone uh Rob, yep. who, who you know, he literally bought it for me and I still haven't done it. So I'm trash, and I need to. You are not trash. Stop that! I don't let my <laughs> friends talk about them. Talk about my friends like that. Well, I could have been a, a better friend in that way by by consuming it. Plus, Andrew wanted me to hear it. You've wanted me to hear it, right? So I guess that'll be the first audiobook, but the first book book. I might go out and see if I can scrounge up some Discworld. That might be fun. I need more comedy in my life. Oh man, and and Terry Pratchett's comedy is the dry British version. Oh, we love and, it. And, <laughs> we and, love he, he's, <laughs> and he's been coming up more in the discourse lately because it's like he's such he was such a good person who was so angry and yeah. turned that anger toward this is wrong, this is unjust, and let me show you how wrong it is in my writing. Yeah. I, like the the anger simmering underneath everything as he got later and later in his life until he was practically screaming through the page. <laughs> like not not very subtle anymore. I mean, there was the, it was still subtle in some ways, but it was much more straightforward where it was like 
I, I think Snuff was, is probably the best example of that. Snuff and Thud, which are two Vimes books, uh, which are very much like when you start treating people like things is when things go wrong. All right. Well, I was trying to steer us back away from politics, but... Uh, I mean, you, you can never go very far with Pratchett. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's true. I, I think that's downright screaming as far as British people are concerned, right? You know, mm -hmm. a little bit more subdued. Um, so um, as far as the the New Year's resolutions go, we've we've talked about some things that we would like to do other than things related to our hobby. But um, what do you want from the hobby this year? The hobby of role-playing games, D&D, D&D adjacent things. There are other role-playing games, you know. No. <laughs> <laughs> there is only one role-playing game and different uh, versions of those games. No. Sure, let's go with no, that. No, of course there's many, many, many systems out there. I just too lazy to learn most of them. That's the real truth of the matter. Honestly, I don't think I would have learned Call of Cthulhu or Delta Green if I hadn't had a reason to. Sure. And now yeah. they're some of my favorite systems. So I get that. Well, usually I'm the one that's introducing stuff to people. I'm usually mm -hmm. the GM. I'm usually the one that says, hey, let's try this. So if someone else isn't saying, hey, let's try this, and I'm going to run it, mm -hmm. right? So like I played Honey Heist with you. And that was Kicking a super and fun screaming. game. You came in, you came into that grumbling under your breath the whole time, I, and then I, you had a great time. I had a great time. That was <laughs> that was a super fun game. That was so much fun. I wish we'd recorded it or something because it was just absolute madness, and I had oh, so I much wish fun we did too. Yeah, that would have been great. So maybe we'll have to do like a holiday special of Honey Heist or something like that again. I would run that. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm in. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Sweet Paul McGraw's coming back. Sweet Paul McGraw. I love him so much. <laughs> um, I think what I want from the hobby this year is so player and GM. Like I have, I have the the two roles that I that course, I'm lucky yeah. enough to be in. Um, I think as a GM, I want to develop more. Um, I want to develop more in actually providing conflict for my players because so much, uh, one of the, the weak points that I've noticed in myself watching uh, back Fandelver and below is that I have a habit of trying to give my players all of the information that I possibly can so that there's not a chance that they get lost. And that is a very, like, I'm still a very new GM and I know that, um, and I know that that is something that they will appreciate the information more and they will remember the information better if they have to work harder for it. Uh, also, at some point, though, I'm going to do like a half hour diatribe about my problems with Fandelver and below. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll have my own reaction video. For that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I want to actually work on having NPCs that actually don't want to give them information and you have to work at it or find like change your tactics up and figure out ways to do it. I want to um, <laughs> make it harder for them so that it's more satisfying for them. So yeah, I think that's my biggest like plan as a GM. Um, as a player, I think I need to stop taking myself so seriously. Because uh, one of the things that I have found in myself recently, I was I've been playing in a, in a couple of one shots to help introduce other new uh, new players to the game, and I found myself getting really irritated hmm. by it. Not so much with the new players, but just like, okay, let's move this along, kind of thing. Which isn't the players that was me really. So it's like, okay, I need to take a step back and be like, hi, we're playing a game. <laughs> Like, we can have these really deep, wonderful, emotional moments and these great storytelling uh, moments. But at the end of the day, we're a bunch of friends, a bunch of nerds sitting around a table rolling these various shaped pieces of plastic and resin. Uh, telling metal. a story together. Not, 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 on my, not in my uh, dice boxes. That tears <laughs> the crap out of the bottoms of them. That's true. Yeah. Um, 
I will say metal dice are somewhat uh, overrated. <laughs> I, I do like the heft of them, yeah. uh, but the, the corners get real sharp real fast. Yeah, and those D4s can become uh, caltrops. Caltrops. <laughs> <laughs> you know, pretty easily. <laughs> Very easily. Um, yeah, uh, so... How about you? What, what what do you want out of the what do you want out of it this year? Yeah, I want to. I need to get my groove back. I need to find my motivation again, which means I need to find something new. I need to find out what's not working and how to pace a game better. Not to rush it, but mm-hmm. like there is this this line between you know, sort of cracking the whip on players and trying to get them to move. And then this other end where nothing's happening because you're not asserting any kind of control. Sure. Right. And this, especially in a game where the, where I'm running a game and people are paying to be there, I want to make sure that they are getting a certain kind of, of experience, right? Where it's like, okay, yeah, this is friends hanging out, but it's also not just mm-hmm. that, right? This is a service that is being provided. And so I've been very distracted by other things. And I've been, I don't know, I just don't feel like I've been bringing my A game in the last couple of months. Okay. You know, where I've been like, all right, you know, I'm fine. I'm still better than most GMs, I would say. But I don't think highly of most GMs. So that's not really saying much, you know. Where like and people come away and they go, oh, I had fun. It was a good time. You know, it was not bad. And I go, yeah, but but you want more than not bad. Yeah, exactly. You know, if I'm going to like like to me, the way to stave off burnout is to reach upwards, right? Mm. And uh, and find ways that we can get better because when we hit the end of Wrath of the Scorned, uh, that was. That was a session I was truly proud of. That was a session where I was like, that hit all the notes, that did all the things it needs to do. It got all the player buy-in that I needed. It got all the emotions. It resolved the story well. Um, it felt like a satisfying, nice ending where there wasn't really much more for anyone to do. Mm-hmm. There weren't really a lot of loose threads. Um, and it was just wrapped up beautifully and every you know and that only works if everyone's emotionally bought in which they were and there were some some sessions prior to that were that weren't as good and that that didn't quite have that and so it's so hard to cultivate that to build that up and it frankly just takes time mm-hmm. because when it comes to players, it's not just about presenting, it's also about connecting. Mm-hmm. And you have to connect with them on emotional, honest human level. So like I have, I've had to like come to the understanding that a lot of the sort of small talk that happens prior to the game beginning is actually an important part of it. But a lot of times I would sit out and wait. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, I need to get involved in that and let everyone know that I'm on their team. I'm one of them. I care about the things that they care about, you know, so that that way when I make Hephaestus cry, I can make them cry. Right. You know, which sounds like kind of manipulative in a way, but I mean, it is like, I, I don't think manipulation is a dirty word. <laughs> oh, okay. Like there, there, there is an aspect of social manipulation that happens in every interaction with people. The trick is whether you're manipulating them strictly for your ends or if you are uh, manipulating the conversation or the interaction in a way that is beneficial for everyone. So I guess my, my ultimate resolution then is just connection for emotional elevation. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. So that's what I want to do. It's a good resolution. I like it. <laughs> Question number two, a little bit easier, a little, little less deep. What kinds of fantasy are you interested in? Um, you know, we talk about D&D a lot. We've played a lot of medieval fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've done more variety than I've done. Um, so, you know, what kind of things are you hoping for? 
So one of the things that I did this last year was I ran Thirsty Sword Lesbians over on the Q&C channel, and it was uh, Les Violettes Dangereuses, which was so much fun. I had so much fun with that. Um, and I want to play more with that kind of fantasy because it was a steampunk kind of world. I haven't ever really gotten to explore much of steampunk, which is interesting because for how much I love like Sherlock Holmes and that era of writing, I haven't really dove deep into uh, steampunk, which is same era in a fantasy sense. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, high fantasy is medieval times, but with magic. Um, Steampunk is uh, Victorian times, but with mechanical magic. Um, so I want to dive a little bit deeper into steampunk kind of things. Um, I still really want to do, uh, the Dresden Files game, which is urban fantasy, probably set in like Seattle or something. Um, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, and this is an exclusive, uh, news break and everything. Um, there we go. (laughs) So you know that I'm going to be starting to do my own streaming uh, off on my own just to have control over my own content that I get to put out into the world. Uh, My friend Dan Vashkevich has volunteered to run a one-on-one game with me. Oh, cool. Yeah. And we're going to be doing Vampire the Masquerade. Oh. (laughs) I'm very excited about this, quite frankly. Okay. Diving into the dark vampiric fantasy, uh, my character is apparently going to be a Bruja. Uh, I took I took one of those like personality mm-hmm. tests, and then I had Bruja explain to me. I was like, "Yeah, all right, the angry paladin." <laughs> I can't imagine why people would think I'm a Bruja. <laughs> uh. But yeah, that's that's kind of like I'm I'm interested in trying. I think what I'm looking for in fantasy this year is different kinds of fantasies. Because you're right, I've played a lot of like high fantasy. Um, I want to actually try a proper Spelljammer game Mm. Um, because I love the idea of the swashbuckling space fantasy, the the, the big stories in there. But I also want to do urban fantasy. Uh, I'm looking forward to Vampire the Masquerade because it's an urban dark fantasy, which is just like he and I are going to have a long conversation about lines and veils and be like, where, where, where are my lines? And when it's me by myself, man, I can dive deep. And I'm so excited about that. Yeah, that's great. Um, when it comes to uh, steampunk, yeah, it's it's odd how little of that that there's been. Um, I've played Vampire before. I've also ran Vampire before. Uh, that was a long time ago. That was like right after college. Um, and I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, it's a very simple system to understand at least i mean in comparison to like fifth edition sure you know the way you build out all your stats and skills makes a lot of sense it's pretty easy to get into getting a big fistful of d10s is tons of fun right i have i have ordered new dice specifically for those of course i'm i'm a dice goblin i had to have the ones with the proper (laughs) symbols on them it's easier to read that's true um i had even gotten some uh, special World of Darkness dice. Uh, for, I think I had gotten them from Barnes and Noble like years and years ago, and that like the bag had a symbol on it. The dice had a certain color and theme, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. So I think you're in for a good time. Um, really, really like um, that world. It's it's um, a little bit too dark for the kind of thing I want to do on the regular. Sure. Yeah, this is probably going to be like six to 12 sessions. Yeah. So it's going to be a short story. So it's not, you know, a years long campaign. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I also played D20 Modern. I ran a little bit of D20 Modern uh, in high school and in um, and in college. I had, you know, played around with that a little bit. I don't know if you ever had a chance to play D20 Modern or... Mm-mm. Some other sort of urban fantasy. I mean, we can also do that with Fate. Um, would be nice to do a, a Fate patron game one of these days if people are are down for that kind of thing and they want to give that a try because it is not hard to do. It's such a cool system. It is a really cool system. And um, one of the big fantasies that I'm going to be doing coming up is doing a Runeterra-based game 
um, which is the world of League of Legends. That's where that takes cool. place. And I'm doing that at school, and one of my players is also one of my League of Legends players. And so, like, it's kind of a gift for him in a lot of ways, but, like, you know, I think it'll be interesting to other people. And that one has a lot of different fantasies wrapped up into it, including things like steampunk and what they call chempunk, you know. And uh, I've also heard of like neon punk. Like there's a lot of yeah. different punks out there. There are. There are. Uh, cave punk is something I would love to get into. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Well, it's, okay. it's just caveman stuff, right? It's like prehistoric role playing. One of my favorite, my, my favorite uh, fall, uh, not fallout. Uh, what is it called? Um, uh, Far Cry games was mm. uh, Far Cry Primal where uh, you got to be a caveman and you run around on saber-toothed tigers and stab Neanderthals and stuff. It was fun. <laughs> um, so that, that was pretty cool. But yeah, there's almost everything you want in Bruntera. And so like the region that we choose to play in is very much going to color what kind of fantasy it is. And that'll be up to the players to decide. But I'm also wondering, should I do this with 5th edition or should I do it with fate should i you know do something that's kind of between because i'd kind of like to do something where you build a character more like fate but that we then you still have like grid combat Mm. and that's something that um i think would appeal to this particular group that i have so i don't know you never know unless you try No, no no unless you try and the way that a character in league of legends is set up is that they all have a passive and then four abilities. And one of those abilities is their um, ultimate ability, mm. right? And so I'm wondering if I can kind of mimic that style of character building with a role-playing game. Um, I'm sure there is a fifth edition module for Runeterra already somewhere that someone's well, I'd be written. shocked if there wasn't. I'd be shocked too. There might even be a specific game already made for it. I don't know, but, you know, everything I see from, like, um, what's it called? 1D&D, though definitely not 6th edition. Mm-hmm. It's like 5.5 or whatever they're doing. I could, I just, I cannot get myself to care. I'm, I am not interested. I don't feel like anything they're doing is that innovative or interesting. Sure. I feel like they're just releasing another Tasha's. Which is just like, then just do that. Then just do that. No, I completely agree. And um, so I've backed uh, the Matt Covell uh, role-playing system. Yeah, I backed that too. On Backerkit. And uh, it looks really good. I really like the stuff that he's talking about when it comes to like how the game is going to run and what it sort of appeals to. Yeah. Because I do think it sounds like it's much better for today's D&D player. A lot a lot less crunch, a little bit more epic. Correct. You know, but there's also got to be enough crunch there for the crunch players, right? Yeah. And I, th- I think that's going to be there. But there are so many more people that are interested in D&D and want to play it, but don't want to learn anything. And that kind of drives me nuts. And so... There's like a couple of ways of looking at that. We could either say, well, then it's not for them or B, we can say, well, what can we present them? Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, as well as I do, that Stranger Things brought D&D into the consciousness of a lot of people. And then they play D&D and they realize, oh, this is actually like a lot of homework. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I have to like study this you know, in order to play. And most, most kids just aren't willing. Yeah. You know? And the ones that are willing will dive deep and those become the new GMs. And those become the GMs, right? But then they're never happy because nobody knows how their character works, right? And so I've seen groups of students get together who I know know maybe 10% of the rules and they don't care and they still play and they have a good time. So it's like, am I going to tell them that they're doing it wrong? It's like, no, clearly they're doing, I'm not sure they're playing fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, but they are playing. 
Yeah, that's almost a, a situation where I would want to present something like Fate or this new yeah. system with Matt Koval, where it's like, here's something where there are rules, but it's rules light, and it's more about, all right, what's the cool cinematic thing that you want to do? Correct. And how do we set that up? Correct. So the the main fantasy, of course, I'm interested in is fulfilling it for somebody else. Uh, but like, I've also been wanting to do Room Terror for a long time, so that's good. Okay, um, what do you want to be different this year compared to last year? Boy, that's and that's such an interesting question, isn't it? Um, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Well, it, I think it's interesting for me because I've already touched on the the resolutions that I want to change in myself, and. I don't know because I'm really happy with a lot of where oh, things good. are. If that makes, like I'm happy with the groups that I get to play in. I'm I'm really happy with the level of exploration that I get to do. Um they said shocked with themselves. A little bit. A little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh as far as like like I I want to keep doing the things that I'm doing. I want to keep exploring. I want to if anything's different um, I think the bigot, I think, oh, so what, okay, here, here's one. Uh, one of the things that I want to do, because like I am doing the live streaming by myself, I want to do more solo indie TTRPGs. Okay. So there's things like, you know, the thousand year vampire, which I don't think would straight would convert well to streaming because it's journaling, mm. but there's a whole bunch of like short indie TTRPGs that are more, you know, focused on the single player experience okay. and you know i think what i want to be different in myself is not relying on other people to give me the fantasy that i want which i guess is part of why i'm a writer right yeah exactly <laughs> it's like yeah why don't you just write we've heard that before right exactly and like i'm there are there are some things that i'm planning to write in the new year that i'm excited about and very hopeful for some uh, tellings and perhaps retellings of <laughs> stories. Yeah. What about you? What do you want to be different this year? Um, I want to um, prepare more efficiently. Hmm. Um, I put a lot of time into preparing games because it makes me feel confident and ready. And it makes me feel like I've created value. But I want to make sure that that time is being put in a way where players are going to care about it and it's not about my own insecurity right sure. where i'm like okay i'm spending an hour detailing this map in uh incarnate so that i feel secure as opposed to being like is is the element here adding to the enjoyment of the player in a meaningful way you know so if i'm placing a bookshelf Am I prepared to make sure that there's something interesting in the bookshelf? You know, and then the question is then, do I want to prepare something that's in the bookshelf complete with a handout so that I really razzle-dazzle the player? Uh-huh. Or do I want to allow this to be improvised? Mm. Because now that's an extra 10 minutes that's not being spent, Right. That is, they can now be used for something else, right? How varied does the does the soundtrack need to be? Um, are there better ways to prepare beforehand to make it easier to run during the time, or should I sit there with a lot of different um, sound effects for particular moods, right, or whatever? These are these are things where a lot of times I'm I'm stuck looking for an asset online. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I just spent half an hour looking for the right orc baker, you know, and this provided no value. Yeah. So that's what I want to be different. I want to become more efficient. I like that. And maybe that will help with the burnout factor, because like I, I find that with uh, with the redacted reports, if I'm spending a half hour to 45 minutes looking for a very specific sound effect, that's where I have to stand up, walk away, get a cup of tea, and then come back because I'm getting so frustrated by not being able to find the thing that I wanted to find. And I'm like, do I build this or does this actually need to be here? Does it even need to be there? Exactly. Yeah. Can it? 
Because like nine times out of ten, I'll be like, well, they didn't have this, so picture this. And then players are like, okay. <laughs> right? Like, that's not a problem for me. Oh. Yeah. Players are players are more flexible than I think uh, we give them credit for sometimes. Especially I give them credit for. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't going to pick on you specifically. <laughs> but definitely, <laughs> we're talking about me a little bit. Um, no, and that's really fair, yeah. Where it's like, do you accept what I'm trying to get at? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. Okay. What were the best things, hobby-wise, that happened this year? Two things. All right, here we go. <laughs> Absolutely, in my opinion, the best things that, that happened to the tabletop uh, role-playing hobby as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna get I'm gonna get fire and pitchforks for this. <laughs> the Dungeons and Dragons movie and uh-huh. uh, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, for sure. Because they those became points of contact for the community, for the, the world at large, to be able to be like, oh that's what you're doing. Like my yeah. my friend that I do a lot of work with in my gigs went and saw the D&D movie and he has never played a game of D&D in his life. But he hears those of us who do talk about it and be like, yeah, there's seriousness to it. But the D&D movie is pretty accurate for how the tone of most games <laughs> actually go. It, it, it really is. Right? There's dramatic moments, but a lot of times we're just quipping at each other. Right. Yeah, and 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 cheering for 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 Thumberchonk coming to sliding down the <laughs> the mountain at us, and so like that was really helpful to be able to be like you've heard us talk about this for hours on end and talk about all the cool character moments and all of this, but here is a two hour long thing that I can just show you and say that's D and D. And then for on the gaming side of things, actually being able to get in and get their hands on the mechanics uh, with with Baldur's Gate 3 is a really good like stepping stone for people who are like, well, you know, maybe I've been interested in this for a while, but there's so much crunch with it that I don't really understand it. Even with things like uh, 5th edition, which I know the the old Thaco uh, brigade would <laughs> sneer at, but it is true. There is crunch in there that can be... Um, cumbersome uh, off-putting yeah for for people who are trying to come into it for the first time and being able to video game it and see how it actually works without the barrier of words in the way i think really helped the community i think that it is i think that, the, that those two things are going to go down as causing a, an upswell of people who are more interested in it and you're able to be like okay you want to play simon Here's what Simon is, and now let's build out from there. <laughs> I love Simon. What, like that—that that is the best version of a wild magic sorcerer <laughs> I've ever seen. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I thought the movie was really successful on on in multiple ways, where it really did kind of capture the tone of a given party, where it's just a bunch of idiots running <laughs> around with special powers, mm-hmm. right? And. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. And the bad guy was, you know, not particularly deep, but most D&D villains aren't, right? Most of them are Skylaser villains, right? And he was he was charmingly bad. Like yeah. a lot of a lot of high fantasy games and movies and whatnot go for the Sauron version of the bad guy. This right. is a bad guy that you could kind of understand. Right. And as a for, former party member, I also saw him as like, okay, you started a game with the GM and never resolved itself. And the GM decided that their character was going to be the big bad of the next game. Right. Um, if you ever uh, read Darths and Droids, uh, it's a web comic where they take stills from the Star Wars movies and then they, they put um, text with it. So it's like a D and D game that people are running. <laughs> like they'll, they'll do a thing where like, a character dies and then another character is introduced in the next scene. And so it's, it's the same player, right? <laughs> Who lost her character and is now, um, and like Jar Jar Binks was like some, like one of the players moms forced him to let his little sister play. Oh and, no. And so she made up a character and what she ends up creating is Jar Jar. And, uh, but then she gets into the game, right? So, it, it's it's really clever to to add in things like that. Whereas the the older D and D movies were so uninspired, they were so yeah. 
uninteresting, like almost just insulting. They were just a fantasy movie with a thin veneer of D&D slathered on top. Like, there's a wizard, there's a dragon, are we good yet? You know? Yeah. Kind of felt that way. Um, What do you hope for when it comes to the community at large? I think I want to see... And this will never happen, but it's a, but it's what I would love to see less less of the tribalism. Oh yeah, well, because a lot of what good. I see when I stick my head in on like TTRPG Twitter and whatnot is people who are like, I am going to stay with D and D no matter what. I am going to bend the rules to do to make it fit whatever genre and whatever that I want it to do. And then you have the people who are like. Anyone who plays D&D is trash. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Every other game is better than D&D. Uh, if you're trying yeah. to bend D&D, like if you're, if you're going to all the work to like bend D&D to be something else, play Fate, play Monster, Monster Hearts, play, you know, all these other systems. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then you have people who, you know, are, are much more interested in trying all of the things, but are like they stick their finger in one direction and they get burned. And I love D&D. I really do. I love D&D for everything that it can do and everything that it can't do. I understand where its limitations are and where those limitations are. I'll go play other games. Like, I don't come to D&D for necessarily like Eldritch Horror. I go play Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green for that. Yeah. Um. But when I am looking at other systems, when the first thing that I see is uh, D&D is trash, play this instead, my first impulse is to be like, no, I don't <laughs> want to play your game now because now you've just insulted this thing that I love so much. Why should I look at this thing that, that you're proclaiming is the be all end all? So I want to see less of the tribalism. I want to see more of the like, hey, D&D is, is good for what it is. But if you're trying this, why don't you try this other thing? And I'll help you. Like, that should be the next step is I'll help you. If you're interested in it, let's sit down and talk about it. So you you perfectly describe the same reasons I burned out on libertarianism, right? <laughs> it was where I was like, I love the ideas here, but I mm -hmm. don't like these libertarians, right? You know, where... Sure. I was just like, I'm never libertarian enough or I'm too extreme or whatever. And, you know, when it comes to your politics, it's like, if I make any kind of statement about anything whatsoever, even people in my side are going to give me crap. Right. Sure. And it was like, that was tiresome. And then Donald Trump became a thing. It just killed all politics for me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh you know, I while I still hold a lot of, let's say, sentiments, you know, it's just we can really take the fun out of things by so true. being, you know, holier than thou, right? And yeah, D&D is the all, be all end all. D&D is garbage. These are both completely useless statements. Yeah. You know, where it's just like all of these are just vehicles to accomplish something that that we want to do which is kind of hang out with friends and, and fantasize yeah and i mean they're they're genres i'm not going to walk over into the mystery section of the bookstore and say this is garbage because it doesn't have sci-fi fantasy elements why why would i do that why would i why would i go into a particular area and be like no this can't be and i ultimately am interested in humans having maximum freedom but I'm not sure that that particular political party was the way to get there. <laughs> yeah. Like it seems to be causing it more harm than good. Right. And then I'm just like, well, if I want to have fun at a table, sometimes you got to leave the table you're at. Yeah. And find a table full of players that are going to be conducive to the things you want, you know, in your time. Yeah, I mean, so. we fr we frequently say no D&D &D is better than bad D&D. &D. I'll expand that. That's no, so true, though. No role-playing game is better than being in a bad experience. No politics is better than bad politics. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's so true. And uh, so 
that wasn't necessarily going to be my big hope, but it is now. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to help. Absolutely. Um, What? uh, We'll just ask one last question. Um, What were some of the lessons you learned this year? I think, I think that the biggest lesson, hmm, how to phrase this. I think that the biggest lesson that I learned this year was how to let go. Mm. Let go of what? Not, I mean, I'm still working on it. It is always a work in progress because letting go is such a multi-layered thing. But I think this was the first time that I have really been in a campaign that ended well, there's been a couple of campaigns that I've been in that have ended satisfactorily, but this happened. This was two big campaigns that I was in that ended in a way that I was really happy with. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to let go of characters that you've spent that much time with. It really is. And I think one of the most important lessons that I am learning is how to l- let their story stand as it is with all of the mistakes that I made, with all of the mistakes that they as the character made, and those are different, um, and let that story stand as it is and not beat myself up for mistakes or, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, uh, both as a GM and, and as a player. Because, like, for me, my anxiety manifests as constantly replaying the thing that I did wrong, Heavy hmm. quotes around that. Like I still think about, I still think about the very first time that I GM'd a game and I forgot that characters had dark vision, so they would be able to see into the next room. Completely mm-hmm. forgot that. I still think about that. It's been like four <laughs> years, <laughs> and that is something that could sit heavy if I let it. That constant like barrage of mistakes. Yeah. So letting go of the mistakes. Letting go and, you know, learning what I can from them, learning what I can from the characters that I have played and moving forward and taking the lessons that I have learned without taking the baggage of those characters. Like, Keladry is one of my favorite is, Keladry is the favorite, is my favorite character that I have ever played. Oh, that's wonderful. She was an amazing character and I'm sad to let go of her. Mm -hmm. But I need to. Mm -hmm. Because... Um, the stories that I'm telling now are not Caledry stories. And I need to give that honor to Hakoi. I need to give that, that honor to Charlie. I need to let them have their stories without them being burdened by the weight of expectation from having played Caledry. It's so funny because for me, an old character is like, later, loser. <laughs> <laughs> And I wish I could be like that sometimes. I get so invested in characters that it's really it's really hard to let go. Like yeah. I want to just live in that space forever, but that's not good. It's not healthy. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm sure your GMs take great delight in knowing that you're so emotionally um, attached to these characters, right? Because that gives us a, a sense of meaning, right? And that sure, we've accomplished something, and so. And Kel- Keldry is definitely my favorite character I've romanced. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like that's a pretty short list, though. It's a very short list. <laughs> I, think, I I think it might be the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you don't have that many player experiences. Now, if I were to say, now compare it to video game romances, now that that opens up a lot, you know. That's fair. We've got Makoto. We've got Bastila Shan. We've got. Uh, Morrigan, we've got uh, Tally Zora Naraya, we've got uh, Miranda, we've got, you know, the list goes on and on. And on and on. And, you know, Minthara, <laughs> it's my girl. Really? <laughs> oh my God, I'm so in love with Minthara. Are you kidding me? I, I, um, I, I was informed yesterday because we were talking about this while I was hanging out with friends. I was informed, I haven't met Minthara yet. I have informed that I'm very likely going to kill her. Oh, most likely, yeah. And I'm like, most... I mean, an evil paladin, that seems correct. But especially I, especially played Andraste. I definitely have a type of the the broken female that sure. I have to have to fix. Like <laughs> you know, um 
I can fix her. I can fix. Yeah. I if I were a girl, it would I would be into bad boys. Like I have. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it's uh yeah Morrigan's messed up. Mm-hmm. You know Miranda's messed up. Makoto's not. Makoto's got it more together than my typicals, right? She she's that that oldest that that person who has all the the weight of expectations on her and finding ways to help her let go of that is very sweet and I love that. So I I think part of the thing with Makoto for me was just that kind of is me in mm. a lot in a lot of ways and so. Uh, but anyway, anyway, so, not anyway, the time. I guess we'll talk about that next time. You know, probably our favorite uh, video game romances. <laughs> Uh, get, get, give me some time to get some more romances under my belt. We'll call it Swooping is Good. Hey. <laughs> I do plan on, on starting, like, I think the first thing I'm going to stream is Dragon Age Origins. Oh, of course. Of course. I'll just, I'll do VO for the, for Alistair, like, just every time he comes <laughs> up. That'll be great. Um, all right. Well, I think that we've done enough damage, uh, to start the year off right. <laughs> and, uh. You know, hopefully everybody got something out of that. Maybe think about what they, uh, you know, learned this year as far as RPGs go and what they hope for and what their goals are for the new year. What's your New Year's resolution? We'd love to hear what those are. Maybe drop them in our Discord. So take it away. Thank you all so much for joining us for the first episode of Inspiration Point of 2024. Welcome to the new year, everyone. Um, We hope that you all had a wonderful, restful holiday season and uh, had entirely too much good food and spent time (laughs) with people that you love. So true. And uh, until next time, stay inspired. Ho, ho, ho! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash inspiration point. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Inspiration.